right, saints. You ready to get into the word on today? Open up your Bibles very quickly, hallelujah, to the book of Judges, the 15th chapter. Judges, chapter number 15, we're going to begin reading at verse number 9. Judges 15, verse number 9, hallelujah. Well, some of you are eager to go home today and watch some football. <laughs> hallelujah. So we're going to try to do this expediently. <clears throat> Glory to God. It's good to be home. I was away, hallelujah, uh, for about three days. I was in Washington, D.C. with my best friend, my wife, hallelujah, my better half. It was just me and her, no kids. They're a blessing, but sometimes it's got to be me and you, boo. <laughs> hallelujah. You know, because those little babies are going to grow up one day and they're going to go off and get married and it's still just going to be me and you. Amen. Hallelujah. Never make the mistake to stop pursuing each other. Amen. Sometimes we, we switch, hallelujah, roles and our spouse is supposed to be number two after God. And then we have children and we make the children two and our spouse three. Then what ends up happening is, hallelujah, you get so caught up raising the children, you lose yourselves. And by the time the kids grow up and leave the house, you look at each other one day and go, who are you? I don't know you. Amen. Why am I talking about that? Hallelujah. Amen. I ain't got nothing to do with what I'm preaching today. Hallelujah. But we were in Washington, D.C., and we had a great time. Let me just, um, we had the privilege to go to a new museum, brand new museum called the Museum of the Bible. If you have not had the chance, and you probably haven't because it's brand new, you need to put that on the list of things to do. Can I tell you, it was an amazing experience. I mean, it exceeded all my expectations and then some. The state-of-the-art equipment and just every detail that went into this project. To give you an idea, how many are familiar with uh, the store Hobby Lobby? I don't think there's a, any of them around here, but Hobby Lobby contributed $500 million. That was just one donor. $500 million to this project. So when I tell you that they put their everything into this, oh my God. Yeah, me and Cherise got there at 10, 15 a.m. It was 5.30 and we weren't done. We weren't done. You need at least two days to really do it. <clears throat> but it was an amazing experience. Amazing. Then we had the privilege to go to the uh, Museum of the Holocaust. And that was very impactful. Very impactful. And so, and, you know, and we were walking out there in 10 degree weather. Uh, you know, by the White House, the Lincoln Memorial. You know how the Lincoln Memorial has that, that long pool People were walking on that. It was frozen stiff. Cherise looked at me and said, you want to do us? I ain't getting in there. <laughs> I am not going to break the ice in there. I'm going to watch them do it. I'm going to use the sidewalk. But anyway, we had a good time. It's, it's good to be home, though. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You ready to get into this text? I read today in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. And the word of the Lord says it so. Then the Philistines went up and pitched in Judah and spread themselves in Lehi. And the men of Judah said, why are you come up against us? Now this is, listen, this is the people of Israel telling the Philistines, why have you come up against us? And they answered, to bind Samson are we come up to do to him as he has done to us. Then 3,000 men of Judah went to the top of the rock, Etam, and said to Samson, Knowest thou not that the Philistines are rulers over us? I want you to see their mentality here. Knowest thou not that the Philistines are rulers over us? What is this that thou hast done unto us? And he said unto them, as they did unto me, so have I done unto them. Next verse. And they said unto him, We are come down to bind thee. Now, isn't that something? It's one thing, hallelujah, to have an enemy try to bind you. But it's a whole other thing when it's your own people that are trying to tie you up. Watch this. We are come down to bind thee, that we may deliver thee into the hand of the Philistines. And Samson said unto them, Swear unto me that ye will not fall upon me 
yourselves. And they spoke unto him, saying, No, but we will bind thee fast and deliver thee into their hand, but surely we will not kill thee. And they bound him with two new cords and brought him up from the rock. And when he came unto Lehi, the Philistines shouted against him, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. And the cords that were upon his arms became as flax that was burnt with fire, and his bands loosed from off his hands. And he found a new jawbone of a donkey and put forth his hand and took and slew, hear this now, 1,000 men therewith. And Samson said, with the jawbone of a donkey, heaps upon heaps, with the jawbone of a donkey have I slain a thousand men. And it came to pass when he had made an end of speaking that he cast away the jawbone out of his hand and called that place Ramathlehi. And he was sore athirst and called on the Lord and said, Thou hast given me this great deliverance into the hand of thy servant, and now shall I die for thirst and fall into the hand of the uncircumcised, talking about the Philistines. And God clave a hollow, hear this now, God clave a hollow place that was in the jaw, and there came water thereout. Mm. And when he had drunk, his spirit came again, and he revived. Wherefore, he called the name thereof Enhakor, which is in Lehi, unto this day. Next verse. And he judged Israel in the days of the Philistines, 20 years. Now, can you imagine him walking toward 1,000 Philistines with his hands tied? And it was his own people who tied his hands. He's facing 1,000 people, and he has 3,000 of his own people behind him. And they're handing him over. And then the Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord comes upon him, and his bands are loose. And so I want to talk to you for a little while. I don't know who I'm talking to in this place today. I pray it's all of you. I pray it's the church in general. Hallelujah. But I came to tell somebody specifically in this place, God's about to turn you loose. I said, God is about to turn you loose. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, in Jesus' name. We worship you and magnify your name. We ask you, Lord God, to add blessing to your word now. We know, God, that your word will never return unto you void, but it does that thing in which you send it out to do. And so, Father God, there are hearts in here that are ready to receive seed. Let that seed fall on good ground and produce a harvest unto your people. And we thank you and give you glory for it now. In Jesus' name, and the church said, amen and amen. Hallelujah. By the time we get to the 15th chapter... And we start talking about uh, Samson, uh, realize that the story begins maybe like two chapters prior, maybe even before that. Uh, by the time we get to this chapter, there has been an ongoing battle between the Philistines, and I'd like to say Israel, but it's really just Samson. When you really look at this particular story, amen? And just to give you an idea, because I didn't read the whole chapter, amen? I jumped all the way to verse 9 for the sake of time. But let me just give you a, an idea of what's happening here, amen? These Philistines deceived him at his wedding. Not only did they deceive him at his wedding, hallelujah, he had to deal with them again in order to settle a debt uh, where 30 Philistines ended up losing their lives in the hands of this strong man. Uh, in retaliation, they took his bride and gave her to another man. Now, you can't mess with a man's woman. Anyway, let me. They took his bride and they gave her to another man. Watch this. In, 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 in turn, he then goes, watch this, catches 300 fox. Don't ask me how. He catches three fox, 300 foxes, takes their tails, ties them together, uh, puts them on fire, and sends them into the enemy's field. And it was the time of harvest. If you go to verse 1, you'll realize that it was the time of harvest. So in essence, what he did was that he ruined their resources. He knew what he was doing. He was very creative, Samson, I would say. Amen? So watch this. He does that. And then they respond by taking his bride and her father and killing them. And then he then, in turn, 
goes after the Philistines, takes a, a large amount of Philistines, and he slays them. And so there's this, there's this back and forth that's going on. Hallelujah. And as we read this story, you're going to see, hallelujah, the response of his own people. You're going to see a people turn their back on a man that was called by God to lead them into victory. Now, Samson may not be perfect. And if you read the story of Samson, you understand that he is not perfect. But he is now living, watch this, surrounded by a people who's used to being in the dark. And we will see a man, watch this, who is rejected by the very people he came to save. A man who is rejected by the very people that he came to save. Sounds like somebody else, if you ask me. Doesn't it sound like the Lord Jesus Christ? A man, he came to his own and his own received him not. A man rejected by the very people that he came to save. Oh, God, help me in here. I want to make a statement, hallelujah. We had declared that this year was going to be a year of freedom. Up until this point, we've been preaching on that particular topic, amen. I want to continue along those lines today. And I want to start off by making a statement. My first statement on today is simply this. Freedom requires an attitude of advancement. Freedom requires that you develop an attitude of advancement. When we go to verse 9, the first word in verse 9 that I like is the word then. It says, then the Philistines began. And what I want to submit to you is that the reason it's saying then is because now the Philistines uh, have decided to launch out an all-out, an all-out attack. They have gathered all their men, and now they have surrounded Judah in an attempt to intimidate the people of Israel. Up until now, Samson has been quarreling with these people, and they are aware of who Samson is, and they are aware uh, of some of the things that Samson has done, but they haven't really paid him a whole lot of attention. The Philistines think that they are a great nation, and they don't think at this point that one individual can cause that much damage and that much problems to their army. But when he goes ahead and he does this last thing, uh, out of, out of, out of uh, retaliation where he goes and he slays a large amount of Philistines, they determine, you know what, this guy is a serious problem. He's a serious problem that needs to be dealt with. So they decide to launch out an all-out attack on Samson. Because watch this, your advancement, watch this, is getting... Your enemy's attention. I said it's your advancement that gets your enemy's attention. Can I just submit to you, hallelujah, that your enemy is not intimidated by you simply because you, you have a little victory here or a little victory there. It is Samson's continual success. I said it is Samson's continual success. It is the fact that no matter what happens, he keeps coming back. It is, it is the fact that no matter what you do, do to him, hallelujah, it, does him, it doesn't detract him. He continues to come at you. He continues to advance. He has this attitude uh, of advancement. It's almost an attitude that says you can do whatever it is you want to me, but I'm going to continue to progress. No matter what it is that stands in my way, no matter what you throw my way, I'm going to continue to progress. I have an attitude of advancement, hallelujah. I will advance. I wish I had somebody in this place who had that kind of attitude in 2018 that would determine even now, no matter what you throw at me, devil, no matter what happens in my life, no matter what oppression, no matter what opposition stands in front of me, I am going to progress and continue to progress this year. Hallelujah. Watch this. And you can't just do it once or twice. It's, watch this, it's his consistency. That's getting, hallelujah, the attention of his adversaries. It is his consistent. It's the fact, hallelujah, that he keeps on succeeding. Oh, God, have mercy in here. Hallelujah. It's not enough, hallelujah, to get a little victory here and just a little victory there. Hallelujah. You have to be consistent. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? Hallelujah. I remember hearing a man of God once testify how he was trying to uh, uh, get with another man of God that he respected and that he saw this individual as a mentor and wanted really bad for this individual to be a part of his life so that he can mentor him or that he at least could be connected to him. And he tried for years and it wasn't until years had went on that this particular person calls him and says, all right, come on, now I'm going, now I'm going to speak into your life and now I'm going to pour into you a little bit. And when he got to the presence of this man who he esteemed, he said, why so long? Why so long? And the man of God looked at him and said simply this, it's not great until it's been great a long time. It's, I, I, I've been, in other words, I've been watching you. I've been watching your church. I've been watching your ministry. I've been watching your consistency. Your consistency finally got my attention because it's not great until it's been great a long time. You can't just have a little bit of success for a little while. It's your consistency. But your consistency, watch this, will get, will get the attention of people in high places, but it will also get the attention of your adversary. Listen, if you aspire greatness, get ready for trouble. You don't want no trouble? You don't really want no greatness. Greatness comes with a price. Are you in this place, church? I like Samson because he has this attitude that says, I'm advancing in spite of the attacks. I'm advancing in spite of the attacks. In spite of the hits that are coming, I'm moving forward. It's like that favorite running back of yours that gets hit once, gets hit twice, but keeps on moving forward. Hallelujah. That's his attitude. You can hit me, hallelujah, but I'm still coming. Are you in this place? His advancement has gotten the attention of his enemies. Hallelujah. He recognizes, watch this, that he has an assignment for advancement and not acceptance. I realize that I have an assignment from God, and that assignment is for advancement, not acceptance. If you look, hallelujah, at these people, the people of Israel, they are satisfied, watch this, with being oppressed by the Philistines. They don't want no real trouble. They want to keep things peaceful. They just, they want the status quo. What we fail to realize sometimes, and I think it's a danger in the church, is that we've done a good job teaching people, hallelujah, how to be a lamb, but we haven't taught people how to be a lion, and those are two metaphors, hallelujah, that are taught in the scripture about the personality of Jesus Christ. There are times where he's a lamb and there are times where he's a lion. And so I have to discern when there are times where I need to be a lamb, but then there are also times where I need to be a lion. And like Samson, hallelujah, I got to continue to move forward regardless. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The Bible puts it like this. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God has suffered violence, but the violent take it by force. In other words, hallelujah, the church needs to rise up and say we're going to forcefully advance. No matter what happens, no matter how high persecution arises in our midst, we are going to continue to move forward. We are going to progress. Amen, somebody. The Bible says in the scripture that we just read, watch this, that the enemy spread themselves. They spread themselves. Watch this. They spread themselves in an attempt to intimidate the people of God. I want you to notice something. The Bible is very specific. It says that they found themselves in a place called Lehi. In a place called Lehi. Hallelujah. Lehi was a, a hill in Judah. Lehi, just in case you didn't know, means uh, the place of the jawbone. The place of the jawbone. Uh, it, it, was, it was known to be surrounded by bones, particularly jawbones. And that's why they called it the place of the jawbone. Amen, somebody. And so watch this. When I, when I read that, the Lord ministered to me and said, watch this. When you determine, when you determine in your heart, in your life, that you are going to progress, that you are going to advance no matter what, you need to be prepared for a mountain of mouths to speak against your progress. Watch this. There is no coincidence that the fact that the bone that, it, that we're talking about is particular and it's a jawbone. Amen. Uh, it, it, it's also referred to many times as the place of mouths. And you have to understand something that if, if, if you don't want greatness, don't go after it. 
and, and you might not get into a whole lot of trouble. Come on, somebody. Uh, but when you aspire to do great things, when you inspire to do things that are out of the box, this man, Samson, he's creative. I mean, anybody who can take 300 foxes, tie their tails together, and send them into the enemy's camp and set their, their, their harvest on fire is creative. And so watch this. He's a little too radical for his own people. I say he's a little too radical even for his own people. His own people determine, you know what? You're a little too out of the box for us. You're a little too radical. Your methods are unorthodox. We've never done anything like that. We like to do the things that we've always done, and these are the things that we've always done, and we just want to continue to do the things that we've always done. Don't matter if they don't work and they're outdated. We just like doing what we've always done. You coming over here doing some crazy stuff, stirring up some stuff, drawing too much attention to yourself, and now you're causing problems with the enemy. Are you in this place, church? Watch this. This is a campaign from the enemy. Watch this. A a an organized terror attack. The goal is to make Israel cower in fear. Watch this. By intimidating them, first with words. Amen? Some of you are not bound by literal ropes like Samson was. You're bound by mental ropes. Mental ropes. Uh, mindsets. Uh, the way you think is keeping you back. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? Hallelujah. Mm. When I look at the Bible, I see that. Uh, tactic of the enemy on several occasions. When Nehemiah is building the walls of Israel or rebuilding the walls of Israel, the enemy comes in through Sambalat and Tobiah to uh, enemies and start taunting, mocking, uh, degrading the work of the Lord with their mouths in an attempt to get the man of God to quit, to get him to see the work as being too much for him and decide to leave it alone. And the enemy would love nothing more than for you to hand over your own deliverance even without a fight. I said the enemy would love nothing more than for you to hand over your... Samson represents their deliverance. He represents their freedom. And the enemy would love nothing more than for you to just hand it over without even a fight. Are you in this place, church? You think about, hallelujah, I thought about a man named Elisha who on one occasion he's traveling with his servant Gehazi. And the Bible says, watch this, that the enemies want to take him out. The reason they want to take out the man of God, the prophet, is because he keeps giving the kings of Israel information concerning the enemy. So the enemy is, is strategizing an attack against the people of God, and then God speaks to the prophet. The prophet goes to the king of Israel and says, this is exactly what the enemy is trying to do. They prepare for the attack. They get the victory, hallelujah, and the enemy, after a while, determines, you know what? They have an advantage because they have a word. I said the enemy determines they have an advantage because they have a word. And listen, as long as you got a word, you always have an advantage. And even your adversary, the devil, knows that as long as you have a word, you're going to be a hard individual to attack. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Oh, God, help me in here. So the, so the enemy determines, watch this, here's what we got to do. We got to remove the word. The word is coming through Elisha the prophet. If we get the word out of the way, then the enemy will have no choice but to fight us just like everybody else has to fight us. And they won't have an advantage. Are you following what I'm saying? So anyway, just to make a long story short, they find Elisha the prophet and his servant, hallelujah, uh, on, a, on a certain hill, and they surround him. And so watch this. They're surrounded, and the Gehazi, the servant, wakes up because they were sleeping, gets up and says, alas, master. And he goes to the prophet, and he says, it's over. We're done. This is it. And the man of God don't even look at him. He just looks up and says, God, open his eyes. And let him see that there are more that are with us than they who are against us. And immediately he looks, his eyes are opened. Uh, let me tell you, I love that right there. I wish that I could just pray for somebody's eyes to be open and God open them without their permission. Because God, he didn't even ask for permission. He just said, open his eyes, God, and God opened his eyes. And I just believe that we need a lot of people, hallelujah, who are cowering, walking with their head down, talking about, hallelujah, this is it, and we can't move no further, to see that there are more who are with you than they who are in the world. The Bible says that when he looked up, he opened his eyes, and he saw 
an army of angels surrounding the other army. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Just because you can't see my protection don't mean it's not here. My Bible says that he is a present help in the time of trouble. God's not just coming. He's Jehovah Shammah. He's the Lord that is there. He's there. Amen, church. You know, when you, when you study the, the story of the walls of Jericho that came tumbling down, you begin to realize when you hear, uh, when the spies go over the wall onto the other side, they hear the testimony of the people uh, that says, hallelujah, that we really built these walls and fortified them because we knew you were coming. You see, because the reason sometimes the enemy is trying to intimidate you is because the enemy is more afraid of you than you are of him. You just haven't realized it yet. And so oftentimes when they built those walls, they built those walls so that the people, watch this, of Israel would not see how fearful they were on the other side of the wall because they told the spies, watch this, we heard about your advancement. Your advancement has gotten our attention. They said, watch this. We saw what, we heard about what you did when you came out of Egypt. We heard about what your God did to Pharaoh's chariots in the Red Sea. We heard about what this king tried to do and could not do. We heard about your God. We heard about your advancement. And we figured if you're coming in this direction, we better put up some walls and try to intimidate you. But the truth of the matter is we're more afraid of you than you are of us. And that's a tactic of the enemy. And some of you who grew up in church won't know what I'm talking about right now, but we used to do that back in the days when we were in school. I didn't grow up in the church, hallelujah. And, and, and sometimes you had to fight, even when you didn't want to. Are y'all going to leave me alone up here? Yeah, 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 you had to fight. And oftentimes you notice that one of the people or one of the persons was trying to intimidate the other person by being real loud. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Be real loud, threatening the other person. I'll do this. Don't make me do it. I'll do it. What? What? I'll do it. I'll do it. And the other person's just there going, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Take a couple steps back. Go ahead. Just give me some distance. Stop. And the truth of the matter is that he was using that to intimidate that individual. But really, they didn't want to fight themselves. Because if they really wanted to fight, they wouldn't have been taking so long talking. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So the enemy is talking to intimidate the people of God. Are you in this place, church? They said, we want Samson. That's what they said. The enemy said, we want Samson because we can smell greatness. They said, we want Samson because we can smell a deliverer. The thing that amazes me is how, how Satan or the kingdom of darkness is able to sniff out greatness in the life of an, of an individual. And then the very people that he was sent to do not recognize that greatness. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Your adversary, the devil, I don't know how he does it. I don't think God keeps our future a secret from him. I think he lets them know about it and then says, try it. <laughs> Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because the enemy can sniff greatness. Watch this. Let me give you an example. When Moses is born, the enemy sniffs it out. Pharaoh sends an order to kill all the males in Egypt, two years and younger, in an attempt to wipe out Moses before he even begins. Are you here? Because he can sniff greatness. Are you here? He can sense greatness. When Jesus, when the wise men come into uh, Jerusalem talking about there's a new king in town, uh, uh, there's a new king born. We've seen his star in the east. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Uh, king Herod says, you know what? Go ahead and find him. As soon as you find him, let me know where he is. And what does he really want to do? He wants to kill him. He wants to kill him because he can smell deliverance. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Oh, God. I don't know if you know my testimony. My, my, mom, my mama was one day from aborting me. One day. She had already had one child and wasn't crazy about that back then. She didn't grow up in the church either. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And then now she has, she's getting ready to have another child. And she said, I can't do it. And she said, I'm not going to do it. And she didn't, she didn't really know what to do. But she had enough fear in her to go ask somebody. 
And so when she asked somebody, she just happened to ask somebody who feared the Lord. And when she asked this individual, what should I do? The individual told her, you can't abort that child. You have to have that child. And I don't even know who that lady is, but I can't wait till I see her in heaven. <laughs> like, thank you. <laughs> Are you hearing what I'm saying? But God knew, God knew, God knew. How do I know that? Because he told another man named Jeremiah, watch this, before I formed thee, before I formed thee in the belly, I already knew thee. Oh, God, have mercy in you. Before your mother had you, before your mama and your daddy started taking selfies and sipping out of the same straw uh, from a milkshake, hallelujah, I already knew you. Not only, not only did I already know you, I already separated you. I already ordained you a prophet unto the nation. You ain't even come out yet. And I saw all your days before you lived one of them out. I'm the God who sees the end from the beginning. Hallelujah. Ooh, I'm the purposeful God. I send you into the world with purpose. For those of us who think that we come into the world without any purpose, hallelujah, and that God looks upon you one day and says, I'll figure I'll do something with this child. No, 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 no. If you were born, it's because of purpose. Are you hearing what I'm saying in here? Are you blessed in here, church? We won't send sin. And the amazing thing is that the Bible says that Samson is up on some high mountain in a cave. Watch this. Called, they called it a rock, and it's called Etam. And here's the reality. Listen, if you're, going, if you're going to do exploits for the kingdom of God and you're going to be great, hallelujah, you have to rise above the mouths. I got one amen. It came from somewhere over here. Listen, you have to rise above the mouths that are going to come against you. If you aspire to be great, mouths will come against you. And when you read this whole story, if we have time to do it, you're going to see that, that that persecution does not just come from without. It comes from within. Are you in this place, church? Oh, boy. And you have to be able to rise above it, knowing that you serve a God who knows how to shut the mouths of the lions. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You serve a God who knows how to shut the mouths of the lions. That's why you don't need to get caught up in it. He said, every tongue that rises up against you, I will condemn. My God is my vindicator. I'm not losing sleep. I'm going to sleep real good. How you talk all you want, hallelujah. At the end of the day, God. God called me. Are you hearing what I'm saying, church? All right. Watch this. The Bible says that they spread themselves. Here's what you have to understand. When the enemy comes in, he will spread his influence. And he will use mouths. I said he will use mouths uh, in an attempt to affect as many areas of a life or as many areas in the church. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And in him spreading his influence, he makes it look like his power is stronger than it really is. God have mercy in here. And oftentimes what he does is that he multiplies his attack by giving you a series of little attacks to make you assume that you're hemmed in on every side. And that you're not coming out of this. When Satan gets ready to attack a church, he uses many tongues against it. Not just from without, but from within. If you're still with me, shout glory in this place. Hallelujah. The thing that amazes me about the text is that Samson doesn't seem to care much about the fact. Well, not Samson, I'm sorry. The people don't seem to care much about the fact that they are under Philistine oppression and that they are not really free. And they seem to be okay with the way that they are living. In other words, hey, 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 just, you know, don't rock the boat. We like things the way they are. Don't rock the boat. But the way things are is that you are under Philistine oppression. 
Notice what they said in the text we read when they went to Samson. They said, do you not know that the Philistines are rulers over us? And they're okay with that. Meanwhile, they serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They serve the God that the Bible says, greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. Yet they're okay with the status quo. Are you hearing what I'm saying, church? Mm. It's, it seems like they have reconciled to the notion that we will never be anything more than what we are right now. And I hope that's not anybody in this place. Amen, church. And so watch this. The people of Judah go to Samson to, not to lift his hands, but to tie his hands. And I could deal with an enemy coming to try to tie me up. But it, when it's my own people. The Bible says that they put new ropes around his hands. New meaning back then that they, they were still green. That means that they were very strong and no ordinary man would be able to break them. But we're not talking about an ordinary man, and I don't believe that I'm preaching to ordinary people. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. In this place. So watch this. Hallelujah. Rather than taking a stand against their oppressors, they choose to sacrifice one of their own. Isn't that something? One of their own. And, you know, I can't help but, but meddle there a little bit because that bothers me. Because I think that too many a church have adopted to that particular model. And you know the model that says you have to go along to get along. You know, you just got to go along to get along. They're afraid to take a stand for the truth because they don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And so they make deals with the enemy in order to protect themselves. And they learn to live with the enemy instead of conquering the enemy and defeating him. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? And so watch this. My second point very quickly is simply this. Advancement requires adjustments. Advancement requires adjustments. Here's what I learned, hallelujah. You correct me if I'm wrong, hallelujah, but people don't like change. A lot of people do not like change. A lot of people love to stick with that which is familiar. Why? Because they are accustomed to it. And it doesn't even matter whether or not it's a hellish situation. But because I'm accustomed to it and I'm used to it, I'm going to stay in it. Oh, God help me in this place. And, and it doesn't matter. I'm not progressing and I'm not being blessed, but I'm used to this. Oh, God, have mercy in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he beats me every other week. Now I'm coming in your kitchen. He beats me every other week. But it's all right because I know the rage only lasts for a little while. And I've gotten used to this. Okay. Let me flip it. Uh, you've been at that job for 10 years. You've been at that job for 12 years. That job don't challenge you. That job don't motivate you. God, help me in this place. You're just there, but you're used to it. And because it pays the bills and you don't have, God, help me in here, the fortitude to take a risk and do something, hallelujah. Listen, aren't you tired of being dominated by something that ain't blessing you? God, help me in here. I said, aren't you tired of being dominated by something that's not blessing you? And because we've become accustomed and used to it, rather than move, we just stay. Because I'm used to this. And I hear God telling somebody in this place, hallelujah, that's, that's a, that's, that comfort is deceiving. You need to come out of that comfort and get ready to do some combat. Are you in this place, church? If you're blessed in here, shout glory. The people of God have developed an atmosphere where God can't really deal with their issues. And sometimes in order for God to deal with your issues, you got to come out of that atmosphere that you're in. 
No wonder Samson is on a mountain somewhere all by himself. Hallelujah. I don't want to be caught up in that atmosphere. God, help me in this place. People want the familiar. They want the same thing. They want to come in here and sing the same songs. Come in here and sit in the same seat. That's my seat. God starts growing the church, hallelujah. The church starts getting packed, and all of a sudden you can't sit where you usually sit. You sitting in my chair. Not your chair. Advancement has to make adjustments. Hear what I'm saying, hallelujah. All of a sudden, can I just be real in here? All of a sudden, the church starts growing, hallelujah. The pastor came meet with everybody. The pastor came visit everybody at their house. When there was 40 people in the church, maybe 50 people in the church, the pastor can make it his business to visit everybody uh, as, as much as he can. Hallelujah. Are you hearing what I'm saying? To visit you at the hospital, to marry every individual that's going to get married in the church, uh, to dedicate every single baby that's going to be dedicated. But when there are 300, 400, 500 people in the church, hallelujah, all of a sudden it becomes very difficult for him to go to every he can't go to every house. He can't go to every hospital. So he uses his people. He uses his elders. He uses his deacons. And he uses his other pastors, assistant pastors, to help lighten the load. But people be like, well, why couldn't he come? And if you're not careful, watch this. And if you're not careful, you hinder the growth that's coming. So the question really becomes... Do you have the fortitude to be weaned off a family mentality into a nation mentality? Because when the Bible says that you are a royal priesthood, it doesn't say a, 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 a holy family. It says a holy nation. And see, you see, because in a family mentality, what happens is that everybody knows each other. And people like that. I, I like to know everybody. But let me help you understand that some more. In a family mentality, everybody just doesn't know each other. They know each other's business. And sometimes we like that too. I just like to know what's going on with everybody. And so what ends up happening is that the church starts growing. And now you can't know everybody. You can't possibly know anybody. We're still the family of God. We make up the families of God. But we're becoming a nation. It's, it's like an army. In an army, you don't know everybody you're fighting with personally. But you still got to back them up because you're on the same team. I don't got to know everybody. I don't got to know all your business. I just got to know, hallelujah, that we're on the same team. And watch this, as we advance, we have to make adjustments, church. And if we're not careful, because we're not used to those adjustments, we don't like it. We hinder the growth that God wants to bring into the church. If you're with me so far, shout glory. glory. Hallelujah, Jesus. And all of a sudden, a spirit of stagnation breaks loose in the house. Spirit of stagnation, where the church becomes, hallelujah, the pool of Bethesda. And everybody's just lying around, doing nothing, because they believe that God is limited to blessing only one person at a time. And so you just lay there talking about, I'm just waiting for my turn. And the church is not progressing. Are you hearing what I'm saying in here? His own people come to him. Isn't that something? They come to bind him because they're bound. And here's what I know after a few years of counseling. Hurt people hurt people. I say hurt people hurt people. Are you, are you in this place, church? Ooh, God, help me in here. And instead of destroying the enemy, here's the thing that gets me about the text. I'm almost done, guys. Here's the thing about the text. The Bible says 300 men of Judah. Judah meaning praise. Not 300, 3,000, I'm sorry. 3,000 praises. Do I got any praises in the room? Amen. All right. 
3,000 praises come to Samson to bind him. Watch this. To hand him over to 1,000 Philistines. Listen to the text. 1,000 Philistines. 3,000 praises. Now, do the math. I like those odds if I'm Judah. But 3,000 men. Now, Samson's called to be their deliverer. He's their judge. He's their leader. He's, he's a, he judged. The last text we read, the last verse said he judged Israel for 20 years after this. He's a judge. He's been called to be their leader. But how can you lead when nobody's following? And then Israel musters up 3,000 people and they come to him. If I'm him and I see them coming, I'm like, all right, let's go. But they didn't come so that he could lead them. They came so they could bind him. Because the enemy confused them into thinking that their deliverance was trouble that needed to be removed. Isn't that something? He's out of the box. He's creative. He's radical. And God sent him. But because you're so used to things as they've always been, the enemy confuses you into thinking that your very deliverance is actually trouble. So they didn't see him as a deliverer. They saw him as trouble that needed to be removed. And the enemy was cunning and strategic because the enemy knew he was their deliverer. The enemy knew, if they ever knew what they had, we would be in trouble. And so we need to confuse them into getting rid of the very thing God wants to use to deliver you. To hand over your deliverance without a fight. Oh, my God. It is a sad day when God's people would rather attack one another than attack the enemy. I said it is a sad day when the people of God rather attack one another than attack the enemy himself. The thing I love about Samson is that he was not dominated by fear. He was dominated by faith. I say he was not dominated by fear. He was dominated by faith. And if you know this story like I do, and I got to close. So the Bible says they bound his hands. And, you know, he, to be honest, he led them. This is the strong man. This is Samson. Amen. Uh, I, I, I carried the gates of the city up a hill. With my own hands. These little ropes. <laughs> they can't hold me. But watch Samson's attitude. I won't fight you though. This is how, even though he's not perfect, he is a man of God. Watch this. Because he says, I'll fight the enemy, but I won't fight you. Because you're my people. I wish the church would get this. I, you could hurt me, and I'll still fight for you. I want you to see this man. Watch this. You can talk about me, and I'm still going to fight for you. you. Oh, God, you can hand me over. Betray me. Oh, sounds like somebody. And I'm still going to fight for you. Oh, God, have mercy in here. Is that, is that not a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ? Hallelujah. Talk about me, ridicule me, spit at me, betray me, leave me, and I'm still... Still going to fight for you. Hallelujah. Continue to sin. Watch this. Hallelujah. You don't even deserve it. And I'm still going to go to the cross for you. Hallelujah. My God, that's the grace of God. Hallelujah. Still going to fight for you. Hallelujah. I wonder if we got those kind of leaders existing in the house of the Lord today. Hallelujah. That don't get so offended so easily. Hallelujah. And even though you said something about me, talk about me, don't believe in me. Leave me alone. Hallelujah. Let me fend for myself. Hallelujah. Hand me over to the enemy. Betray me with a kiss. I'm still going to fight for you because God called me. Hallelujah. I'm an advocate for the church. Hallelujah. And as long as I'm alive, I'm not going to fight against you. I'm going to fight for you. Yeah. 
That's what separates me from the rest. That is maturity. That's what I like about Samson's attitude. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He could have easily said, you're going to tie me up? You're right. Try it. He could have easily rebelled against them. And he could have easily done some damage. I think that the fact that he told them, don't come upon me, was not for his benefit. He was saying, listen, don't, don't fight me. Because I don't want to have to. I don't think he would though. He wasn't perfect, but he knew that much. Amen, somebody. Can I give you my last statement and then I'm going to leave? Do not expect to be greatly anointed if, you're not, if you cannot deal with being greatly assaulted. Do not expect to be greatly anointed if you cannot deal with being greatly assaulted. Notice what the text says. The text says that when Samson's coming, with his hands tied, the Philistines begin to shout. Could you imagine the things that they were shouting when they saw the strong man coming, bound? Could you imagine the, the, the roars of victory and taunting and mocking? Could you imagine? Because there's 3,000 men of his own that are pushing him toward the enemy's camp, handing him over. The enemy must have been like, look at this. Look at this. Their own people got them for us. And start mocking them, yelling at him. Could you imagine the mob just, ah, just couldn't wait to pounce on him? And he's walking. And the Bible says that as they shouted, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. God, help me in here. I said that as they shouted, this is why I said you can't be greatly anointed if you can't deal with being greatly assaulted. Because it was in the middle of their assault. It was in the middle of their verbal abuse. It was in the middle of all that taunting and mocking and threats of the enemy that the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. You never hear Samson say, oh, my God. You never hear him complain. You never, he, he, oh God, have mercy in here. He's just walking toward them. <laughs> I say he's just walking toward them. And, and if I, 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 the Bible doesn't specify, but you know, I like to kind of live the story. I kind of like to get into the story. And I'm thinking to myself, if I'm Samson, I'm, I'm wondering, I can't believe, first of all, I can't believe you betray me like this, number one. I'm moving forward and I'm like, but I'm thinking to myself, oh God, what I could do. If I could just get my hands loose. Oh, what I could do. If I could just get my hands loose. These people who were supposed to lift my hands have tied my hands. Oh, what I could do. If I could get my hands loose. And as they shouted, the Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord. What I like about the story is it doesn't say that another man came and cut the ropes off. It doesn't say a little kid came and cut the ropes off. It doesn't say that anybody came. It was a supernatural release. And can I prophesy in here for a minute? I sense from God. From the moment that we declared in this place that this year was going to be a year of freedom, that there is a supernatural release from restrictions that are coming upon the church in this year that's going to be unprecedented. I'm telling you, you're going to see, hallelujah, a release from restrictions. In the house of God so that the people of God can use their out-of-the-box creative, hallelujah, ideas to reach people for the kingdom of God and move away from the status quo and normalcy. And we always did it this way mentality. Get free from religion, hallelujah, and do some real damage in the kingdom of darkness for the glory of God. If you believe it in here, give God some praise. And the Bible says, this is crazy, hallelujah. The Bible says that his hands come loose and immediately, immediately he finds something close to him 
he can use to get the victory. The thing I like about Samson is that he doesn't determine, watch this, once he gets free, he doesn't look at the enemy and try to size them up and say, oh my God, I need, I need a spear, I need a shield, uh, I need a knife, uh, I need this, I need that. He doesn't, he doesn't get into all the things that he needs in order for him to do something. He looks around. Oh, God. And I came to tell somebody in this place, all you got to do is look around. What you need to get the victory is already at your disposal. I, I, what, God has something close to you he's going to use to give you the victory. Away with this mentality that says, I need to have all these things, and you focus and you concentrate on what you don't have in order to do something. When God is saying, you already have enough, just look around, just look around. The problem with you is that you're looking for this big thing that you think you need in order to get the victory, but God don't need no big thing because it's not about the equipment, it's about your faith. If you just use your faith, God will use a little thing, and he will bless you with it. God, have mercy in here. God will use a little flask of oil, hallelujah, and pay your debt, get you to live off the rest. He'll use a little boy's lunch to feed 5,000 men, not including women and children. He'll use a little thing. The problem with us is that we're looking for some big thing, and we're, and we're stagnant because we can't do nothing until all these things line up and until all these things fall into place and I hear God saying stop restricting yourself I'm about to turn you loose when I do look around look around hallelujah you think you need all those people you don't even need all those people hallelujah you need just one person to agree with you oh God have mercy in here I've put near you what you need to get the victory do you believe it in here church Ooh, I hear God say, I'm going to use something that's close to you. Are you in this place? The Bible says that he saw the jawbone of a donkey. And the Bible specifically said it was a fresh jawbone. A fresh one, because a fresh one won't break that easy. Are you hearing what I'm saying? A fresh one is still sturdy. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When I think about that, I think about something just dying. If it's fresh, that means it just died. Could it be that the release is coming because of something that just died? Are you hearing this preacher? And now that it's dead, let's go. Because faith acts to change things. It doesn't require superior equipment to defeat our enemy. Just faith and the wisdom to use the best that is available at the time. I don't know, my, this, my ministry can't progress because I don't, look around. Look around, I can't advance, look around. Stop talking about what you don't have. Everything you need is already in the house. That's what, that's what the prophet told the widow woman, hallelujah, when she said that the creditors are coming to take my children. He said, what do you have in the house? Because what you need is already at your disposal. You're just not looking. Uh, are you blessed in here, church? He kills a thousand Philistines with a jawbone. With a jawbone. That's not humanly possible. Amen. Unless God is with you. Amen, somebody. And if that's not enough, listen, I love this part and I'll close with this. He says, after the fight, because could you imagine... I, I, I just don't get it because if I'm the 3,000 that are walking him towards the enemy and I see his hands come, I know he's not supposed to break out of that, but I see his hands come loose and then he's fighting, right? And I'm watching and I'm seeing those Philistines going down one by one by one by, they're just all going down. I'm about to change my mind and get up in the fight. You know, I would have determined by then, God is in this. I better not just sit here and do nothing. But they just, they don't do, the Bible doesn't say that they do anything. 
So they let him fight alone. Can I just ask you a question? Are you ready to serve God even if you have to serve him by yourself? Uh, Are you ready to fight? Watch this. If nobody else... If nobody else who was with you wants to go with you, are you ready to serve God if nobody else in your family wants to serve God? Y'all not saying nothing now. Hallelujah. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He's fighting by himself. He gets the victory and he is exhausted because even the great ones get tired. And after a great victory, you get tired. And he he calls out to the Lord and he says, watch this. God, you gave me this great victory. I love that. He's not being selfish here. He says, God, you gave me this victory. He recognizes that it was God that aided him in that victory. That's a good thing. That's leadership. Watch this. Then... He's dying of thirst. Could you imagine swinging a jawbone, killing a thousand men? My God, he's exhausted. And the Bible says that he calls out to God and said, you're going to give me this great victory, and now you're going to let me die of thirst? I am so tired. And God says, and God, the Bible says that God opens the hollow. I can't even, I, I don't even know how to articulate this. He opens the hollow of the jaw. And many scholars uh, differ in opinion concerning what that meant. Because some scholars determine he opened the hollow of the jaw. Is he talking about the jaw bone in his hand? Or is he talking about the place called the jaw bone, which is Lehi? Are you following what I'm saying? My thing is he could do either. I don't even know why the scholars are getting caught up in it. Because if he wanted water to come out of the bone, he could make it come out of the bone. And if he wanted water to come from the hill or some rock, we know he's done that before. And so we can make water come out of. You get concerned about how it's going to come. God will make resources come from a rock. From the weirdest places. Are you hearing what I'm saying in here? He could turn that jawbone to a bottle. He sure can. Watch this. And the Bible says water came out. And he drank. And when he drank, his spirit came back to him. In other words, he revived. He was that, he was that exhausted. And the thing I love about the text, it says that to this day that place is called that. Because, watch this, God's provisions are always greater than our need. I said God's provisions are always greater than our needs. And God will never neglect the needs of those who respond to him in faith. I said, God will never neglect the needs of those that respond to him in faith. Not feelings, faith. Are you in this place, church? Woo. Until this day is called that. What that means is that that thing is still flowing. And isn't it amazing that from one moment, one victory, other people can now benefit from that victory. That's how big your God is. Is And so watch this. I believe, this is how I receive this word. I believe that God is looking for a church that he could turn loose. I think that Samson represents a radical church. I think that Samson represents a church that is willing to take risks. Not perfect but willing to step out on faith and do things that have never been done and not allow anybody else to confine them into a box where they just do what's always been done and never blaze a trail. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Never make a way where there was no way. Never step into a Jordan and watch the waters separate. Are you hearing what I'm saying in here? And so when when God ministered this word to me, I said, God, I want to be that church. Tired of the same old. Come on, somebody. You could be... 
Some of you, you've been in church so long, you know church. I didn't grow up in church. That's part of my testimony. I don't know church. I know Jesus. <laughs> it's, it's different. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Religiosity doesn't have a hold on me. Amen. I don't have a problem doing something that hasn't been done. As a matter of fact, I'm the type of individual that evaluates what's being done. And if it ain't working, I cut it. Because we're just not going to continue toiling to do stuff that just ain't working. Like those fishermen that fished all night. I'm wondering why somebody didn't get up and ask Peter the question. Has anybody realized that what we're doing is not working? And it's not that they're not working. It's just that they're working really hard at doing something that's no longer working. And so Jesus has to come to them in a different form. What will you do when Jesus comes to you in a different form? If all you know is one form. And says, cast your nets on the other side. Thought to myself, you've been fishing all night and you had the nets on the same side? Not even a big shift, small shift. But it was the difference between no fish and a boat full of fish. The Bible says that net began to break. Because they shifted. Samson represents a radical church. An unorthodox church, a, a church that takes risks, a church that can deal with the mountain of mouths that'll say, you're not doing it right. Are you hearing what I'm saying in here? Are you blessed, church? Give God a praise in here. Oh, we got to go. Oh, my God.